Hey everyone, welcome to By Our Love Podcast. This is Charlton and Natasha. We are a large Christian family living abroad in East Africa, and we would like to invite you along on our journey of faith, hope, and love. On this podcast, we're going to be discussing our Christian walk, kingdom convictions, discipleship, and church planting, as well as international adoption, the ins and outs of daily life as a family of 12, and inviting on special guests that motivate and inspire us. We hope to be a source of encouragement and challenge the status quo. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to By Our Love Podcast, Episode 2. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to our first episode, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, We went into a little bit of the background about who we are and the ways that God has been working in our lives over the years to bring us to where we're at, and also a little bit of the vision behind why we decided to start this podcast. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. We actually just returned from a trip to the U.S. If some of you don't know, we live in Kampala, Uganda, and we don't make it back home very often. But this time, Charlton and I were actually able to go together, which was a real treat for us. It really was. I think it's been about four years since we were able to travel together, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's been four years. He has been able to go back for different meetings, and he taught at a Bible school one year. And we also have a church body in Massachusetts that when we're able to, it's just such an encouragement to us to visit and fellowship and and spend time. And so, yeah, this time around, we were able to go for a few weeks and just had an amazing time of fellowship and encouragement. Yeah, it was exciting being back and seeing uh, how God has been working and moving in our brothers and sisters' lives back there in the U.S. to see the church itself multiplying within uh, the Boston area, going from one fellowship to multiplying into three different fellowships and also seeing uh, some other fellowships beginning on the horizon in Michigan and Virginia and other places. So it was uh, a, a great time of encouragement. Yes, it really was. We had a long flight from Kampala. We flew into Boston. So we went from Kampala to Dubai, which was about five hours, and then Dubai to Boston, which was 13 hours. And unfortunately, we had a sick kiddo. Can I just say, for those of you who have experienced it, you understand. Those of you who haven't, I would not want that to happen to anyone. You can imagine how small those bathrooms are, and you're in close quarters. Anyway, you don't make friends on the airplane when when you have a child who is sick. And for some reason, we forgot to pack an extra pair of clothes for this specific child. So we had to make a toga out of the airplane blanket. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he was a little embarrassed about wearing a, he called it a skirt. We call Uh, it a toga. (laughs) (laughs) And our baby, our baby had a high fever and she wasn't feeling well. So we were an exhausted mom and daddy. But when we arrived, we had some beloved friends pick us up at the airport. And these people are very dear to us. We actually met 
when we lived in Kenya. And they were such a source of encouragement to our lives um, when we had some really low moments serving in Kenya they were there to really spur us on, speak life into us. They still do it to this day. They have uh, an amazing ability. God has just gifted them as a husband, as a wife, as a, a complete family. Uh, they have a tremendous ability to just speak to people's hearts in a way that I've truly never experienced uh, with, with anyone else. So we, we dearly love this, this couple. They picked us up brought us to dinner, and then we went to the house that we were staying at. It was an empty home that a family actually decided to postpone moving into so we could stay there um, while we were in town. And the church body came together, cleaned it up, brought in furniture, bedsheets, towels, food. The pantry was stocked. The fridge was stocked. I was overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness. It made us feel so welcome and loved. And you know, if if y'all live overseas, if you're not, if you are living outside of the country in which you were born, there's just something really nice about going back home. Just the familiar food and smells and just language and culture and and everything I mean we we absolutely love where we're at you know God has us um, in this place and uh, we love being here but there is something comforting about going back uh, and being in a familiar environment the thing that we love the most about our visit was the rich fellowship that we experienced with our church back in the U.S. and with my mom. I was able to see her, which was great. I haven't seen her in two years. It was her first time meeting our baby, and so we just had a lot of great quality time, and we also did a lot of sightseeing. Um, When we were in Boston, we went to visit the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. That was my one of my personal highlights with my mom. It was a beautiful museum, rich in history and art, and she bought me a little souvenir afterwards, um, a duplicate Rembrandt painting, the Sea of Galilee, and since I've been home, I framed it and put it in my living room, and it just is a beautiful reminder of my mom and our time in Boston, but as well, the story of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples is a great reminder and encouragement to us. I love this quote by Amy Carmichael. Thou art the Lord who slept upon the billow. Thou art the Lord who soothed the furious sea. What matter beating wind and tossing billow, if only we are in the boat with thee. Hold us in quiet through the age-long minute, while thou art silent and the wind is shrill. Can the boat sink while thou, dear Lord, art in it? Can the heart faint that waiteth on thy will? I really just love that quote because Jesus slept in the midst of a raging storm. And he had such a calming assurance that his father was in control. He was a quiet heart, and I want to be like that. I want to have a quiet heart. 
I want our house to be a home of peace and our family to have that and our children to have that. So that's one special thing that we can look at and have that daily reminder. I don't want to take away from the quote or anything that you said there because I absolutely agree with it. Now I just want to sing the song, Master, the Tempest is Raging. The billows are tossing high. The skies are shadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. I'm afraid, though, if we were to start singing, people would unsubscribe. They would not even listen to anything There's else a good chance that, of it. Good that chance. we have to say. <laughs> we make a joyful noise. <laughs> but it is a, a great r- reminder that you know, no matter what is going on, no matter what we're facing in life, in ministry, in family, in work, in school, whatever the case may be, um, you know, God still is in control. He, we can rest in that. Um, it's some. T- it's hard to do that at times. It's hard for us to yield ourselves in full surrender uh, to find that place of rest. Many times. Which is why it's so important to surround yourself with like-minded believers, with those who can anchor you when you lose sight, when, you're, when your eyes drift and you look at the storm, you're looking at the waves. Um, we have to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, and we need each other to help to do that from time to time. Yeah, for years, Charlton and I have been seeking out friendships that focus on biblical truth and growth, accountability. We do not want to be islands to ourselves. We do not want to have friendships of comfort. It's so important, so important to be in a group that holds you accountable. And accountability is one of the most important aspects of discipleship. Holding yourself and others accountable doesn't have to be a negative experience at all. Like we have been yearning for years to have unity in a body and to see today that we have such beautiful cross-cultural unity is so amazing. Um, Being in Uganda, we have this Ugandan culture, and then we bring in our American culture. But we're just trying to shed all that and really look at what is the kingdom culture. Because then you can go from Uganda to Boston to Dearborn, Michigan, and you just click. You fit right in because you have people that have the same mindset, that have the same vision, and that is this kingdom Christianity. And the essence is is around uh, ultimately what church is. What is the church? Um, many people uh, surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly uh, associate church with a physical ge- geographical location, a building. And um, we had actually conducted a survey several years ago uh, here in Kampala, and we surveyed somewhere around probably 100 or so uh, individuals, most of which professed to be Christian. And we just had some basic questions um, if they had professed any form of Christianity. We had just some simple questions to ask them, and one of them was, uh, what is church? And about probably 90% or more 
associated it with the place they pray from on Sundays. It was a geographical location. And that is just far from what the Bible says about the church. I mean, the ecclesia is the called out ones. It is descriptive of the people who have been called out of something, out of the kingdom of this world. They've been called into the kingdom of God, and they assemble themselves to discuss the things that pertain to their citizenship, to the things that are eternal, to the things of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And the for us that that's this is one of the the uh, purposes or the reasons why we assemble ourselves the way that we do we meet in homes we do simple home fellowship whether you're in boston in uh, some of our fellowships whether you're in kampala um, or anywhere else we assemble ourselves simply uh, meeting from from house to house because we want to be intentional getting into each other's homes and lives and providing that kind of uh, strong group discipleship and accountability that is needed to help us to reach and get to the goal that we're setting um, that we've been that has been set before us keeping our eyes on the prize and and longing uh, to see Christ being formed in us. You know, the Moravians had a question, and actually this is a question that a lot of us uh, use in our, our time when we're with one another, um, is they would ask themselves, what is it that is marring the image of Christ? And so they would, they would go around, they would completely submitting themselves one to another and just openly ask the question, what is marring the image of Christ? In what ways am I falling short of that calling and that duty to be Christ-like in every way that I can? And it was, it's a great opportunity to work on those weaknesses. We all have blind spots. We all have weaknesses. And that's okay. And we, we need to be open and willing to allow others to speak into those areas from a place of love and, and grace and be able to see those things change and to um, surrender those back over to God. And we have observed through personal experience and just seeing the church at large where it's at today, a serious lack of radical candor. And that has caused a lot of problems in the past and currently in the Christian church around the world. It might, it, be, it might be important to um, define radical candor just at this point so that they can understand what that means. Radical candor is when you challenge directly, but you care personally. You're not just challenging because you're one of those people who like to challenge and you like to just... Um, you, you may like confrontation, um, but you're actually challenging directly, but it's coming from a place in which you actually care personally about the person and uh, the situation, and you want the best outcome for them. And that's what it comes down to. I agree, wanting the best for them. And some of you might have grown up in different churches and places where it's viewed as a negative thing to challenged directly. Uh, but as I'm sure many of you know, you, you, you've seen the fruit uh, that that produces many times hurt and turmoil, division and, and <clears throat> all kinds of 
factions and various things like that. Whereas in using radical candor and being candid and, and truly challenging things from a place of love can actually bring growth and healing and love and bring us to the place that, that uh, God wants us to be. Uh, we're supposed to, biblically, you know, judgment uh, begins with the household of God. We are supposed to be calling each other to a higher standard, holding each other accountable, calling each other to repentance where needed. And and in, in talking about repentance, what true repentance is, is not just simply a sorry and an acknowledgement of the things that are done. That's That's a starting place of that. Uh, but I'm always re- reminded of the story of Zacchaeus. Um, such a beautiful story in thinking about repentance. When, when Zacchaeus sees Jesus, he cli- climbs up in this tree, he sees G- Jesus, and his response to who Jesus is is that he says, anyone that I have done wrong to, I will go back and restore back to them not just what I've taken, but four times what I have wronged them, I will restore back to them. Talk about going the extra mile. And the response of Jesus is, today salvation has come to this household because Zacchaeus understood the essence of repentance. That repentance is accompanied with the wanting and willingness and the desire to restore, to rebuild, and to renew any wrongs that you have done. It's not walking in the old same dead path. It's turning a new direction, changing your mind, and actually repairing the damage that may have been done in the past and working towards that. It's such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful picture. And in the church, I think many of us realize areas that this hasn't happened. This needs to happen for there to be uh, true unity, for there to be true healing, uh, and to actually be true holiness. We have to come back to the place of repentance. Without that repentance, we cannot have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that we desire more and more of. Yet, we still hold on to the attitudes and actions motivated by our flesh. So when we move aside and the Holy Spirit has his way in our life, the evidence is not just our outward actions, but rather what we become. We will be characterized by the fruits of the Spirit. And we know the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. A short definition of each would be love is a sacrificial commitment to the good of others, joy is an overflowing spirit of gratitude. Peace is an inner calm that results from a cleansed heart and a restored relationship with God. Long-suffering is a willingness to bear with difficult people while helping them Godward. Kindness is a sensitivity toward the feelings and needs of others. Goodness, freedom from hypocrisy. Faith is a total surrender to God, putting our absolute trust in his will for our life. Meekness is a gentle and humble manner in responding to any annoyance. 
And last, but certainly not least, is self-control, an inner strength to keep all desires and appetites in proper bounds. You know, the calling that we have in Christ is not a low calling at all. It's, it's a high calling, and we need each other. We need accountability. I would just encourage anyone who does not have some form of accountability in place uh, where they can be transparent with others, where others are being transparent with them, a uh, place where you can, can share and walk through uh, repentance, I would just strongly encourage you to to find someone, um, <clears throat> find like-minded fellowship, find uh, older brothers and sisters, find someone around you that can speak into your life. Um, Natasha made the statement before about not being an island to yourself. I think it's so easy um, we have there's a form of of Christianity or pseudo Christianity out there that uh, is very individualistic. It's all about me and God. It's it's so personal. It's an individualized faith, and that's just not how the Bible characterizes uh, what our faith is. It talks about our common salvation in the Lord's Prayer. It's our Father who art in heaven. This is a one-anothering thing that we are called to do in the context of a body of believers. And I think I was just reminded of that uh, during our time back with our brothers and sisters uh, in Boston just to see how it, that is actually working, having these accountability groups, having strong group discipleship, and having people who are willing to be transparent and open and challenge one another, uh, you know, asking the question, what is marring the image of Christ? How can we spur one another on in a common direction? And uh, the, the fruit is just tremendous to see the way that God is working in that, uh, in the fellowships there. And uh, we also have um, the same things going on here in Kampala, trying to call each other to a higher standard. Uh, we are still a, a growing group here and trying to overcome a lot of uh, cultural barriers. Uh, we we live in a um, honor shame society, and so there's a lot of just um, cultural barriers that kind of stand in, in the way of radical candor. They stand in the way of transparency and talking about true repentance. But with our brothers and sisters that we are in fellowship with, it is amazing and beautiful to see. Uh, the fruit that is coming in their life uh, through the ability to share with one another. In a future episode, I would like to go into more detail on practical how-tos with church planting and also talk about the things that we've learned in our time here in Kampala with the church plant. So going back to our time in the U.S., one of the things that we needed to accomplish there was meeting with our immigration attorney for the adoption and so I ended up making a trip up to Northampton and thankfully finally getting to meet him face-to-face. -face. We had had some Skype calls and a lot of emails back and forth, so it was great to meet him face-to-face. -face. Yeah, kind of long story short, we are in the process of adopting five Ugandan children. They're a sibling group, and we have been fostering them for about three years and this past year after several different court dates we legally adopted 
the three youngest, but the judge told us that we need to foster the two oldest an additional year. So we are in the process of finishing out that year of fostering. So we are praying that all will go well this August when we have our final court date. And if all does go well, then Lord willing, we will be in the States next year to finalize the process on the U.S. side. Yeah, so all in all, it was a great appointment. We still have a bit of a road in front of us, as Natasha has explained already. So we would deeply appreciate your prayers as we continue to to walk through this uh, adoption process and Lord willing look to finalize it sometime in 2020. This has been an incredible journey for us and God has supernaturally knit us together. We could not imagine our family any different. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to connect with us or have a topic suggestion for future episodes, you can find us on Instagram at podcast by our love, or you can email us at by our love podcast at gmail.com. And also on Instagram, we will post a photo of the Rembrandt painting, the Sea of Galilee that we talked about earlier in the episode. Yeah. So check it out. Bye guys.